this past week in a social media post, author and pastor, he's really a pastor to pastors. His name is Brian Zahn. He lives out in Missouri. He wrote this, that Advent, the season we're in right now, is about learning how to wait for God. In our high-tech, high-speed, high-stress age, we are not very good at waiting. It feels too much like doing nothing. But it's not doing nothing. As we wait, we slowly become contemplative enough to discern what God is doing. Unless we intentionally cultivate some contemplative slowness in our soul, it does not matter if God acts, because we will most likely fail to recognize what God is doing. We can almost say that God never arrives until we wait. Advent is an invitation to the church to wait for God to reveal God's presence throughout the world, to wait for God's promised return when everything will be set right across all of creation, across every dark corner of the world. Reverend Fleming Rutledge writes, The wickedness of this world is truly doomed. The Lord of the universe is about to step on the stage of world history to reverse its course. The Gospel of Mark does not begin with the genealogy of Jesus in the same way that Matthew does. Gospel of Mark does not begin with Jesus in golden fleece diapers being laid in a manger like Luke does. Mark begins 30 years after the birth of Christ with a man named John the Baptist. No, John the Baptist was not Baptist in the way we know Baptists today. John was a baptizer. He was baptizing people in the Jordan River. What you need to know about the Jordan River is that's the same river that Israel waded through as they entered the Promised Land. The Jordan River is the same river where Jesus would be baptized. John, through a baptism in the Jordan River, was inviting the people of Israel to repent. Repent means to turn away from sin and back towards God to prepare themselves for the coming of the Lord. God tasked John the baptizer to announce the beginning of the end. John preaching along the banks of the Jordan River means that John, or John preaching means that the world's been put on notice, that the kingdom of God is not going to come one day. No, the kingdom of God is here now. You see, through John, Mark is trying to get our attention. Mark tells us that John, while he's out in the wilderness, is quoting the prophet Isaiah when he says, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, John in the wilderness, saying, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. But what John is actually doing John is mashing together words from Exodus, Isaiah, and Malachi. The Old Testament of the Christian Bible ends with the prophet Malachi. So you see, our New Testament 
begins where the apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and so on, our New Testament begins where theirs concluded. First century Jews believed that prophecy had ended with Malachi. They thought God had gone silent. John the Baptist quoting from the Old Testament, plus Mark's words of, in the beginning. It's Mark's way of grabbing us by the shirt collar, shaking us and yelling at us and telling us that the loquacious Lord will appear again, is speaking again, and is about to do something extraordinary. So Mark is telling us at the beginning of his gospel that we had better pay attention. John's voice calling out in the wilderness, proclaiming that even in the darkest of times, God is not yet finished. Back in 2014, seems like forever ago, doesn't it? How much has the world changed since 2014? Simpler times, I guess. The Pulitzer Prize winning book from that year was titled All the Light We Cannot See. It's now a Netflix special. So if you want to save yourself from reading the book, you can sit down on a rainy afternoon and watch four episodes on Netflix. But in the book, All the Light We Cannot See, the story of Marie LeBlanc is told. Marie is a blind French girl who, through the power of her radio, delivers intelligence from German-occupied France to allied, allied forces during the Second World War. But Marie is not beginning her own work. Marie is continuing the work that was begun by a man known as the Professor. Marie, you see, grew up listening to the professor late at night while a, on a radio show that was broadcasted on the frequency 1310. And night after night on this broadcast, a calm-voiced host known as the professor taught lessons of reason and sense using philosophy and science and always accompanied by the dulcet sounds of Claude Debussy's Claire de Lune. Every single night on 1310, as the Third Reich was becoming more and more horrific, the professor, who had been scarred by the horrors of the First World War and the burdens of guilt, broadcasted light into the darkness. The professor's radio show served as a beacon of illumination in the tumultuous landscape of war-torn Europe. The evil age is passing away. At least that's what the Old Testament prophets tell us. That is what John the Baptist announces. It is what the incarnation, God taking on human flesh, God in Christ living among us, having friends, playing with friends as a child, going to the synagogue, going to the, going to the temple, getting in trouble during worship services, Growing up as a teenager, having friends, traveling, teaching, and having a ministry. That's what the incarnation tells us. The coming of Jesus Christ marks the end of the old age, the age of darkness and death. And that is how we prepare for Christmas. That's how we say that the ways of the world, the ways of violence and war, the ways of empire and the ways of corruption will give way to God. Try as we might to build up empires and lives for ourselves. God is going to get what God wants 
because God is heaven-bent on making all things new. So Mark begins his gospel with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, or the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The presence and the return of God is always good news. When John proclaimed that God was on the move, he was declaring good news 2,000 years ago. The religious leaders of the day were worried of what John was saying, about what John was doing, worried so much so that John was killed. John was killed because he threatened their institutions, the institutions that they had built up for themselves. As the professor taught his lessons in all the light we cannot see about reason and sense through philosophy and science, the Third Reich was hunting him down. Later, when Marie took up the mantle of, of proclaiming light through radio, she was hunted down for daring to be a beacon of light and hope. You see, light and hope threatens the comfort and status of institutions and empires. Light, hope, and the good news of God threatens the comfort and status of institutions and empires across time. To those in positions of power, the good news of Christ's ministry sounds like the opposite of good news. It sounds like bad news. And many of us who have created lives for ourselves, curated with comfort and accomplishment, we worry that when God returns, and when Christ comes back in final judgment, and the end of the age is here, that God is going to take too much from us, too much of the things that we've built up for ourselves. So we create God in our own image, or we create an image of God that better matches the world that we have for ourselves. Retired United Methodist Bishop, all-around church curmudgeon, and the author of the book we're using for our Advent study, Heaven and Earth, the retired Reverend Will Willimon writes, Rather than being creations of God, God becomes the imaginative creation of human beings, a projection of our fondest desires and deepest needs, a God who looks suspiciously like us. In the wilderness, John is bearing witness to the reality present in Christ's ministry. The reality that was present in the manger in Bethlehem, the reality that would be present on the cross and in the empty grave, and the reality that's present with us today as we await Christ's return. That the conditions of the world and human promises are fraudulent. Wilmon continues, If you ever wanted to know why the 20th century was one of the bloodiest, or why the 21st century is off to such a lousy start, here's your answer. Once we fashioned God in our own imaginations, there was no one left to stand against human willfulness and sin. The God that we make in our own image has nothing to do, has nothing to say that has disturbed or jolted us or called us into action or dared to ask us a question. Like the professor speaking out in the midst of the Third Reich, John the Baptist is broadcasting gospel good news in the middle of the dark night. We all want hope. Each and every one of us wants something to hope for. 
We want hope, which is why in Christmas of 2020, we left our Christmas lights up well into 2021, when the darkness of death and despair was a kind of cloud around us as we were first navigating COVID. We all want hope, which is why every year at Christmas, year after year, we put up our decorations, the bright lights, a bit earlier every single year. We all want hope, which is why we gather in churches on Christmas Eve. We light our candles and we hold them up and we sing, glories stream from heaven afar with the dawn of redeeming grace. For as much as we love the lives that we have curated for ourselves, our Advent and our Christmas decorations shout as voices calling to us from the wilderness that despite our best efforts to keep, to stop God, God is going to put an end to the evil age. We are living in the beginning of the end right now because we live between two Advents, the one 2,000 years ago and the one that is promised to come. John the Baptist is often a forgotten figure from our Bibles. We read about John during Advent. He gets one Sunday. And then in January, on January 7th, it'll be Baptism of the Lord Day. We'll read about John baptizing Jesus in the River Jordan. You will remember your baptism. I will remember my baptism. And then we will forget John for another year. By the time the bright lights of Christmas overtake our living rooms, John will be a character that we will reluctantly remember. But, and it's a big but, so you know that it doesn't lie. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's good that John disappears. Maybe it's good that John disappears after he proclaims that the light of the world has come so that the spotlight that was on John can fade and then fall onto Christ. As we await and anticipate the return of Jesus Christ, may, our, may the attention we draw, like John, fade from ourselves and give way to the light that shines into the darkness. Because God is not finished, and God has not gone silent. Amen.